0: Hello, and welcome to episode one of Retrospective Replay, a serialized episodic podcast taking an in-depth look into video games. This is season one, Vagrant Story. My name is Ian, and with me tonight I have Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello, Ian. You know this is an episodic podcast about various retro games, and for the next eighteen to twenty weeks, it will be this one here, Vagrant Story. This was released twenty-one years ago. Now, if you played this original time around, you're probably about ten years old. So let's just get into it. We'll slap the games in the PlayStation, or if you are playing like us, we are using emulation, which you know allows for a bit of cheating here and there, which I'll explain later. But anyway, we start the game, game boots up, and we have a intro sequence. The intro sequence is a very upbeat, kind of aggressive music with this woman dancing. And there's no real context given here, but she's a dancer who has a massive tattoo on her back.
1: She's a, she's a belly dancer, I just want to yeah. make a point
0: there. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's kind of like a belly dancer, yeah. this huge... Huge. and then you see the protagonist loading up you see him his his bow gun as they call it i just call it a crossbow but he's loaded with a bow gun and he has his sword and then you see sort of a wyvern so we hit the menu screen hit start we get into it so game starts out 2 32 a.m at the duke Barbados manor the manor is on fire and the sky is highlighted orange while the mana is kind of what what would you say like a a green like an overcast sort of like a dark green it's just it really highlights the fact that it's on fire
1: yeah um can can i ask a clarification just for those of us who are what's the difference between a wyvern and a dragon
0: a wyvern and a dragon well i'm glad you asked because i looked this up so a dragon has four totally separate appendages plus wings while a wyvern, I believe, its wings and arms are all in one.
1: Ah, uh, is this like the difference between a moth and a butterfly?
0: What's the difference between a moth and a butterfly? I
1: think it's something similar where they have four wings or two wings, or it's in parts, or is it part of their body? Maybe it's, yeah, I mean, we don't have to get into epidemiology. <laughs> But, yeah. No,
0: that, that that that's fine, but I mean, later on, as 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 you... Um, but
1: in the game, when you're fighting him, he's referred to as a dragon, I'm pretty sure. I know when you're hitting him, it's dragon, but later on, they talk about the fact that it's a wyvern.
0: And I think they also um, refer to it as a worm as well, but that's W-Y-R-M. And the scene then opens up to, what would you say, he's a very well-groomed type of guy, isn't he? Blonde hair.
1: Yeah, I think later on, you find his name is a is Gildenstern.
0: I think it might be Gildenstern. Yeah. yeah. It, it opens up um, yeah. and it's and it's this guy like Gildenstern and he's and he's withdrawing his sword from a body that then proceeds to fall to the ground. Yeah. A second knight walks in and Gildenstern asks if they've found Sydney. The knight responds with no. So Gildenstern just says, "Split the knights into two teams. One to put the fires out and the other to exterminate the traitors." So right now, it's there's not a massive deal of context. You know, we're not really sure who Gildenstern is. Yeah, you don't currently. know if he's a
1: good guy or a bad guy. I mean, I don't know if
0: he's a good guy, a bad guy. I don't know who the traitors are, uh, or, or why it's on fire, uh,
1: or who he stabbed. I mean, it doesn't. It's not clear what's what's going on at all. To be honest with you.
0: Well, no, presumably a traitor, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we get a screen wipe the credits, so I quite like this. It's. Um, artistic like i think it's like an open film
1: really isn't well i think it's very it's very retro like if you ever had a camcorder or stuff back in the 90s you know all of the effects of like a side wipe was very much the rage just waiting
0: for a star wipe to come in like like homer there are other wipes besides star
1: wipes yeah but but i mean it's it's, (laughs) it's 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 tastefully done and i think as well the fact they've they've integrated the credits into the opening um scenes is also interesting yeah.
0: this is very rem- reminiscent of metal gear solid the metal gear solid was released on 98 september 98 uh, while Vagrant story came out in early 2000s almost 21 years to the day in fact um, a week before the ps2 launched in japan
1: wow i d- uh, okay yeah yeah I, 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 that's odd i didn't think that metal gear solid was before this but yeah
0: after the wipe we cut back to the action and it's the introduction to the hero and this is a very common sort of introductory trope isn't it it's a camera is high up looking at a castle keep and then the camera then changes and shows feet running in the rain and then there's a few quick cuts back and forth from the top to the bottom if you've ever played symphony the Night castlevania on the ps1 it's got a similar sort of introduction for the hero as he's running towards the castle gate
1: i will say that the music is very atmospheric Whatever whatever yes. I think they nailed that particularly at the start
0: the music is really fantastic throughout the entire game from memory there's not so much many tunes you could kind of hum to but it's it's super atmospheric like Resident Evil style music you know
1: yeah and then the happy music is very much I think we were saying
0: previously like Zelda. as he comes to a stop there's a did you notice the soft blur effect no. It comes from stopping there's a soft blur effect, which is very similar to the same sort of blur effect you would get on the screen when you were fighting Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear Solid. It's like very, mm-hmm. like a very soft blur. I like it. I do like it.
1: I did think later on in this when Sydney was kind of hovering and stuff that it's very Psycho Mantis-esque.
0: The, the camera cuts behind the, the hero. Because right now, I don't think we've been given his name. We know he's called Ashley Riot. I mean, that's given very soon.
1: Well, then the other thing is, so you don't know at this point if he's a hero or not. Well, you probably do, but he could be anybody.
0: Well, he could, he could be anyone, but very quickly, it yeah. becomes you know, obvious that he's, that he's our, our guy, our hero. The camera cuts behind him, in it's low down showing you the rear of Ashley and the grand scale of the castle. And right now, you're thinking, am I going to explore this whole castle? You, you, you don't you know what's going what's to happen. Ashley looks over to his right, in the wheel that keeps the castle gate open and closed, there's a piece of 2x4 stopping it from rolling. He hits that with a sword and causes the gate to crash down. And what that reminds me of is, if you've ever seen Black Dynamite, there's a scene in Black Dynamite where...
1: Go on. Uh, yeah, it's on my to-watch list.
0: Yeah, yeah, so there's a scene in Black Dynamite where Michael Jai White walks into, playing Black Dynamite, walks into a bowling alley. He goes in to interrogate them, and they kind of call names, names to get out and he turns around and goes to walk out and they laugh at him but as he, w- he gets to the door and he stops and he locks it turns around Then the camera cuts to the outside and someone just comes crashing through the window as he as he kicks everyone you know so it's a similar thing it's like i'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me you kind of assume that this guy's gonna be pretty he's gonna you know kick some ass really we get more screen wipes and then we wipe back to a different part of the castle and we this skinny guy this unnamed person, he says to somebody, Show them who we're dealing with and to torture the chambers and kill all the hostages. Did you notice how he struts off and like slams the door? It's a bit weird, he's like he's like arms out. Yeah. Like struts off. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the animation that, ah. part, but it's fine. So it's figure It only really lasts a couple of seconds. We then the camera then pans back to Ashley, and he's hiding behind some boxes. And the camera deliberately focuses on a smaller box on top, so you know that's gonna fall off in a couple of seconds. Yeah. The two guys that were standing with the one that's just strutted off tells another person, "We've got no time, and let's finish this before the blades arrive." At that point, that's when Ashia then knocks off the box, the, the smaller box, and alerts the two cards. He then draws his sword and says, here we go. So he's not a stealthy guy, is he, really? I mean, you know, later no. on, something else. He's no life.
1: Solid Snake. This is Snake. Colonel, can you hear me? He's
0: definitely no Solid Snake, and he's got no cardboard box to hide in either.
1: No. Although maybe that might come later on.
0: Well, yeah. So we hit our first piece of gameplay. Super quick battles. You fight two humans two hits both go down
1: yeah but the big thing about that is the way that it's done it's picking body parts so the game freezes and you can you select a body part so it's it's like fallout
0: but yeah so you press circle it brings up a sphere around you like which is your range of attack and whatever's in the range can be attacked whether that is a enemy or some inanimate objects in some certain cases uh, you can select the target, and if there's multiple body parts in that target, so you can target head, torso, left arm, right arm, left leg, right leg. Sometimes if somebody turns, you might just be able to hit an arm, say.
1: So anyone who's played uh, later Fallout games, Fallout 3 Fallout 4, knows the idea that time freezes, Yeah. Uh, and you get to focus and pick, select a body part. Yes. And it tells you the amount of damage that it'll hit do with your weapon on that part, and then you select it, and then... They're...
0: Yeah, plus the percentage yeah. to hit the part as well, yeah. It doesn't hold your hand though. It doesn't, you know, if it was if it was made nowadays, time would freeze and it would pop up and it would say, two enemies are approaching you. Press Circle to enable battle mode." Blah blah blah. Oh yeah, none of this. but I
1: mean, there there is no, yeah, there is no instructions. There's no tutorial. I'm assuming when this game would have come out, you'd have had a book, a booklet would come with it.
0: Like, oh, of course, of course, you had a booklet, but like back you know, in the day. By, by, by the time I I was at the age when this came out, I didn't really I didn't read the booklets. I never read the books se. anyway.
1: I just always played the game and you work it out as you're going along.
0: Exactly, and, and this time, you know, I had some memories of how it worked, but I worked out as I went along anyway. Ashley beats the two guys, and he walks into the castle. He gets into, it almost looks like an entrance to a church, doesn't it? It's like a long hallway with pillars down each side, which you could hide behind, and he presses up to a door at the end, and he over a conversation between two people. The two people talk about if they've found it, but we don't know what it is, and they report that nothing has been found. We then found out someone's talking to Sydney with the line... There is nothing Sydney. He tells him to keep looking because he doesn't want to leave empty-handed after coming this far. At that point, Ashley hides behind a pillar and two or three people come running out of the door and they run straight past him. What I really noticed here was, though, the um, the models had very, very thin legs. It looked it looked a little bit odd. Yeah. I mean, they are very low-poly models because everything is 3D, so they've got to be low-poly models, but it just looked a bit funny. The camera moves inside, and Sydney is talking to the guy that strut off before. They are talking about it, and does it exist? And Sydney questions him if he doubts his power, and that's when Harden basically he gets very very scared, and he says no, but he is worried. In fact, that there won't be able to escape. So Sydney tells him he's happy to leave, but he wants to grab the boy. At this point, we've seen we've seen Sydney, which has been talking about, and how would you describe him?
1: So, as you say, he's very skinny. Yeah. So he's very very, very effeminate. I thought, it was a, yeah. I thought it was a woman at first.
0: So he, he dresses. He's got like this half skirt, hasn't he? It's like, it's like yeah. but then it's open at the front, but he's wearing like trousers, dark trousers. He has metal arms, pointy Freddy Krueger style fingers.
1: Yeah. So he's got, his arms are pretty much, they look like metal arms he's got.
0: Yeah. And then he's got a huge tattoo on his back as well. The same, looks like the same tattoo as a woman we saw in the introduction film.
1: Yeah, and he's got blonde kind of oh I don't know what kind of style that is. Oh, his
0: hair—it's hey, it's like a bob, isn't it? Yeah, some it? kind of a bob. It's like a blonde bob. Sydney turns around, goes to pick up a sword, but then we hear off-screen, "Don't move." He turns around, and it's Ashley. Who's got a, what, who says, I have a bow gun pointed at your heart. And I googled this, and bow gun and crossbow seem to be a bit synonymous with each other. Yeah,
1: it's it's effectively a crossbow.
0: Yeah, I would call it a crossbow. I mean, I did read one point that said, all bow guns are crossbows, but not all crossbows are bow guns, which is kind of like, you know, all IPAs are beer, but not all beers are IPA. The term bow gun actually turns up in other games as well, Monster Hunter. And Fire Emblem. I've not played either of these games, so for me, I just call it crossbow. Sydney instantly recognises that Ashley's not a knight. Ashley tosses him a rope and tells him to bind his legs, so it's not the guy's first rodeo. He knows what he's doing, you know. He's getting, he's getting him to immobilise himself before he then approaches him.
1: Did you mean the ponder?
0: <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I did not. I never thought about that. There you go. Sydney then says Ashley, he recognises Ashley as a risk-breaker, and that's when you really see the tattoo on his back. Sidney like reaches for his sword and lunges only to be shot by Ashley straight in the chest isn't it
1: yeah straight through the heart directly
0: yeah straight through the heart as Sidney is on the ground dead Harden walks back in with the child under his arms Ashley picks up his bow gun turns around to confront Harden but then gets tackled by Sidney I'm
1: pretty sure it's um uh, Ashley goes to check to see if Sidney is dead because he does check it. I'm pretty sure he goes to check his vitals.
0: Yeah, you're right. So Ashley goes to check Sydney's vitals um, to see that he is dead. And that's when Harden walks back into the room and he's got a child under his arm. So Ashley turns around and that's when he gets tackled by Sydney. Um, so Ashley falls to the ground, and even though Sydney still got the bolt in his chest, and not only is it a chest, when the camera moves around, you can see the bolt is right through his entire body, and the head of the bolt is sticking out of his back. While Ashley's on the ground, Sydney then tells Harden to go to Le Monde. Sydney attacks Ashley, but he dodges, and he's very surprised at this point, which he would be, why Sydney is alive, and he asks how and why. Then Ashley says, leave the back from the grave stuff to fairy tales. And did you notice how they're spelled fairy? Yeah. For fairy tales. Yeah. yeah. Which what, what I understand is just old English. There's a couple of old English references throughout this game, which we'll get into later. That sticks out straight away. So it's spelled F-A-E-R-I-E. It's quite a nice little touch. Sidney drops his sword and he pulls out the bolt. And he gives a proper bad guy line, doesn't he? And he goes, you've given me quite a scratch, even though, you know, he's got a hole.
1: Well, yeah, he pulls it out. He drops down to his... He drops down, though, because it's obviously painful. Uh, And then he gives, like, a a bad guy, as you say. You know, you've given me quite a scratch.
0: Yeah, and then he says, show a little more respect for fairy tales risk-breaker.
1: It's like Monty Python. Tis but a scratch where the guy's arm is cut off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the Black Knight, yeah. Yeah. Um, So at this point, this is when he calls for his dragon slash wyvern. Um, and he shouts, the talk, And the talk could be the name, or it could be the language.
1: So it it, uh, it might be a command, or it might be that his name is the talk.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it could be a command. It, it, it could almost sound like Klingon as well. The camera pans up. There's a glass sort of, you know, architecture, like a ceiling, but it's stylized. The wyvern crashes from the ceiling, but it's damaged, and it's got balls sticking out of its head.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's weird. I didn't get that either. I mean, why why did it have things sticking out of it?
0: Maybe we just want to crash through the ceiling, maybe maybe oh, some of the uh, the window frame could have stuck in its head. Uh, Sydney says, apologize, not my time to toy with you. And the camera then jumps again to show, this. tries to show you the scale of the wyvern because when it goes to the gameplay, you can't actually see how big it is, but it is quite big. We get some more gameplay now, eventually. I actually got damaged on the first with the two men and on this fight, it's healed you, which you might not have because the other fight's very easy. I just pressed the wrong button. Yeah. But again, it's another easy fight. Very.
1: I was very disappointed about this fight, to be honest with you, because it was it was it was very easy. It was very. I mean, I'm hoping that this is just the first dragon of maybe other dragons, because in the opening credits, there's a big yeah. dragon breathing fire and stuff, and then uh-huh. this dragon appears so early in the game, and you're like, oh, oh no, this is something massive so early on, yeah. and three hits and he disappears. I mean, I, I was slightly maybe they didn't want to put too much on you but it did seem quite straightforward for such a large enemy
0: yeah yeah no it wa it was straightforward but i mean this entire section is skippable as you found yeah. out so it's just a prologue suppose, to set the yeah. scenes it does get a lot harder it's more like a want. quick
1: time event than anything
0: it is it is i think you can actually defeat this dragon this boss without even taking a hit if you're quick enough. Um, I took one hit off it, um, but it was a magic spell that actually damaged like four separate areas, but it wasn't big damage. Okay. Not at all, so it was pretty easy. So you defeat it, and it starts flashing, and it just kind of disappears into nothingness. It doesn't really like, it doesn't drop the ground dead or anything, it just disappears. Yeah. So Ashley walks up to the window as it's sort of the sun's rising, so you can assume it's been a few hours at this point.
1: It's a stained glass window, it's very nice
0: it is very nice and it's also that's the window that sydney jumped out of not so long ago any questions to himself le monde le monde how you say it leamond
1: i suppose it's leamond well it is i think it's leamond the other thing as well is that i think you also get the idea of notre dame when he's looking out that window again the kind of right i think more about the back end of notre dame it's very. It's. It, I found it very um, uplifting and stuff. At the, it, it, when it cut from that scene, because you know there was birds and there was bells, and it seemed like oh, it seemed more akin to something that would be at the end of the game rather than just at the end of the first.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Because it's a period where he should be very worried, and there's just this magic guy who had pulled it, who just died, and a dragon, and all that's going on, and it seems it it was kind of jarring, to be honest with you, yeah. for me, that it was very much. Oh, happy music as i say the zelda kind of happy music but anyway
0: the camera then cuts back inside it's pans behind ashley and it slowly moves into the path of the sun and shows a sort of flare we then get a black screen and the words vagrant story flash up
1: before then you know that's the first that's kind of the title screen to me i guess really the intro is
0: yep it was just one intro and that's the title screen so then we're hit with a loading screen and it's a quote by aj durai Did you you got that noted down? Uh,
1: No, I don't know who that person is. I Do you want me to to read it? No, no, I I know the quote, but I think you should read it.
0: So the quote is, The body is but a vessel for the soul, a puppet which bends to the soul's tyranny. And lo, the body is not eternal, for it must feed on the flesh of others, lest it return to the dust whence it came. Therefore, must the soul deceive, despise, and murder men? So... What do you think he's trying to say here? Is he trying to say that a soul can be transferred, like this, like soul transference, as in, like another soul can inhabit another body?
1: <sighs> I, I, it, we could get into deep philosophy here. Um, I, I think it, as well, you can read into it that the soul is the person, the body is but a vessel, uh, and you you must try to do whatever the hell you can to survive. Perhaps there are people, and I don't know whether or not this is linked to the religious cult that i think is referred to in this game but it a may a, a means of transcending uh your need for uh, a single body or stuff that you can yeah as you say transfer your soul or your 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 essence around i think that's the dark arts yeah uh, and then the people who you know are but want god fearing in this game as well and maybe that's the that's that's the differences as well in that
0: yeah no, no that's true so i mean what this sets us up as for really is that we know there's going to be i mean we already know there's magic we know there's dragons yeah. and we just we know there's going to be some dark stuff probably happening soon you know we're still on the intro here which is it's quite a lot to cover we move into an interior a bedroom it's a clearly a very rich man because it's a, it's a huge four poster bed so we cut to the the bedroom we're not given the time, but, you know, you can assume it's a couple of hours later. And there's, there's several men in the room, so there's a bit of a conversation going on.
1: Well, there's one main guy who's kind of on one knee, so kind yeah. of bowed down, and he's debriefing the guy who's lying in the bed.
0: Yeah, and he says, it wasn't the knightsmen, but the cardinals. And the man replies, knights of the cross led by Guildstone." We know now that, you know, you're given that Guildstern is the blonde-haired guy.
1: And those are, he refers to them as the Crimson Blades
0: yeah and someone adds that to the Crimson Blades are in direct service to the Cardinal then Guildstone left his men to Le Monde after Sydney so they're chasing Sydney and they're trying to get to Sariel
1: yeah so it kind of sets up that there's a number of different groups of people protagonists if you if you will
0: well yeah or antagonists I mean we're not, we're not sure so we know, we know about yeah. the Crimson Blades we know about Sydney and his men and we know about our guy Ashley and his organisation which hasn't directly been named yet but will soon
1: no, yeah, so you have the cardinal, who seems to be a powerful person, and his blades, you have the risk breaker, well, then you have Sydney and his, whatever he's up to, and then you have this old guy in the bed.
0: Right, yeah, the man in the bed who is Duke Barbado, I believe, the orders has men set fire to the manor, and did you notice they look at each other in disbelief, like, did he really, did he really sort of that?
1: yeah so that's his manor, duke Barbados' manner that was on that was the opening scene of the guy getting stabbed in there that was being under siege if you like yep. um from sydney and his people yeah um so it seems that the duke isn't there he no. wasn't at that manor. he's outside of it yeah so he's yeah yeah
0: really filthy rich
1: yeah and then he says you know as you say burned uh burned the manor uh, and he sets up a kind of a deception or something to cover uh, up some tracks because he says to burn it down uh, in the guise of a crimson blade so he's saying dress up as one of the, the guys who 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 were looking for mm-hmm. um, and burn it down so that people would think that it's the crimson blades that burnt the place to the ground despite the fact that we saw uh, Guildenstern gildenstern telling his his men to, to put out the fires
0: yeah so they look at each other in disbelief and the duke responds that a wyvern was used and there could be no witnesses and one of the men replies back but your family the duke then says i don't care burn it down so he's pretty he's a pretty cold guy right so he's got he's got family or extended family in there the conversation then turns political when the duke asks about the pond
1: yeah but there's one thing that that duke says first though when he seems to be trying to cover for sydney as well he doesn't want people to know that this Sydney guy is, is, has control over a dragon or that any of this magic or stuff exists. He's willing to burn down his manor uh, with his family just to cover the fact that in case people see a dragon. And he says Sydney used a dragon. So he seems to have some knowledge of the, of what Sydney's doing and it's more like, oh, well, you know, he made a mistake by using that and now I have to cover for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems it does seem that way. He's definitely got some sort of allegiances with Sydney
1: yeah, they've got some. They've got something going on together. So, you know, whether they've been working together before and now they've fallen out or something like that.
0: Yeah, Duke then calls them meddling wrist breakers when he finds out that they've been involved. And he asks what to do at the guy on his knee. And the Duke says that he wants to follow Sydney and deal with him there at Leamond.
1: Yeah, he says it's yours. So basically, you can go and lock down Leomond and then deal with the, the problem.
0: Uh, the Duke then asks about his son, stating that his is light and soul doesn't get a response on that, but the scene then ends with a camera looking at a family portrait.
1: Yeah, and the the son, the young boy's name is Young Lord Joshua. So that must be his son, and he seems to care about him quite a lot. That's probably as well why Sydney has taken him as some form of collateral.
0: So we fast forward, 11.42am. It's a new scene, there's two dead men with a woman looking over them. It then cuts to some text, some law, which says, Leomond is an old town, with a history over 2,000 years. Its walls have seen many battles. They are stronger than the mightiest forts of Valindia. And as the sun wheels through the sky, the beauty of their shifting colours surpasses that of any palace. This is the second one, which I won't read verbatim, but it says a cathedral towers over the centre, and it's a symbol of Leomond's Indomitable spirit, and in the holy ground of the devout priesthood. And then it says, at its height, it, it was five thousand people. But an earthquake twenty-five years ago kind of brought the town to an end, basically. So what we think we understand is that there was an earthquake. Maybe it stopped people able to get the town. Maybe everything fell down. Maybe everybody died. So it's now like in destitute, really it's derelict.
1: Yeah. So it's basically yeah fallen apart from a really strong earthquake, and it seemed to be quite an important centre. Religious centre as well.
0: We then cut to Ashley walking up some steps. And he's talking to that woman we just saw before and asking what an update is. She tells him about the two dead men that she found, which she refers to as sentinels.
1: Sorry, sentinel is a guard, basically.
0: She then asks if this stay away is the only way in. Because of some earthquakes that happened many years ago that we we mentioned, that answer is yes, this is the only way to get in there. She then talks about agents that were sent into the Mullen Camp base. No one yeah. returned, presumably killed by men.
1: They thought that this is the Mullen Camp base.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. The, the venture downstairs to the wine cellar, and we are hit with almost a bit of surprise. It's like it's a report, isn't it? It's a bit of text that appears on screen, which is a report from, presuming, the, the VKP office. Because it says, According to the survivors, our comrade Agent Riot headed out for Lea before noon. Of course, the reports are vague, and we cannot deny the possibility of inaccuracies. Yet, given that there is only one path to infiltrate Leamond, this office believes the report to be valid. It's almost like this story is a a retelling of Ashley's report, possibly. Yeah, maybe. So they get downstairs. There's two dead men. The woman says, what's this? And Ashley just replies... It's what I'm here to find out. And as you said before, that's when he says, it is very fortified for a wine cellar. Now, is that a pun? Fortified wine cellar? Ah, uh, it could be. So he opens up the door to go into the complex, and she asks him, are you planning to go alone? And that end, you were saying he was a bit of a dick.
1: Yeah, I think he's a bit of a dick here, because he's just very you know it's hurtful and you can see that that she's not she's been hurt by it you know he's like an agent with no combat experience would it be a liability yeah i think he's had something he's he's a bit broken i don't know He just seems to be a bit of a i mean i guess you know maybe he's a loner maybe he's a it on your own kind of person again you know you can probably think of other characters and other games who are like that but i think he's just become nicer to her later on i hope he does
0: uh, from memory i can't remember i can't remember how much you see of her Ashley wants to know about Sydney and she responds. She tells him about Sydney's full name, it's Sydney Losterot. And he's the leader of a religious cult, Mullenkamp. And he's a self proclaimed prophet of the apocalypse. And she talks about the cardinal the cardinal or
1: I think the VKP are people who are representing the sovereign or the king or whoever. Um, and they're also, you know, they also answer to the parliament. I think the cardinal is part of that setup, but he's—I think—he has his own group of whatever the Crimson Blades are that he works with them. I think the the VKP are a separate group, the Risk Breakers. Yeah. The cardinal and the and the VKP are of the same grouping. Yeah. But I think the, it, so. It, it's like um, it's kind of like the Three Musketeers. You know, <laughs> you have Cardinal Richelieu, but he has his own army. He's meant to be. The musketeers are part of the king's troop, but as you would in in like um, Dumas's book, the cardinal has his own agenda and uses his own men to you know obviously cause problems. So I think in the the ideal world, or it, it, it's supposed to be that the cardinal is part of the church. It's like church and state. That you have the church that's the cardinal, you have the king and his knights and whatnot. Yeah. And in in the normal run of things, uh, the cardinal follows the wishes of the king, but cardinals as well have their own agenda sometimes so it seems to be the case that the cardinal is off doing his own things or has his own agenda and he obviously has a problem with sydney
0: yeah definitely she says that their organization the vkp they say he's not a prophet that he is in arms with duke Barbadora, and that the cult is a complete front for this relationship
1: yeah it seems that the duke and sydney are doing are working together as well or have some kind of relationship
0: But there's speculation between the two of them that maybe the attack on the manor was a falling out between the two. Yeah. Ashley then says, oh, could this be merely another one of the Cardinal's witch hunts? So obviously the Cardinal, maybe he's got a history of going after people for certain things. Maybe he's he's a bit senile.
1: Oh, I wouldn't say he's senile. I just think he's, he, he, he you know, he's trying to consolidate power. And obviously the Sydney people are a, a threat to the religious power of whoever he represents, whatever his religion is.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. They definitely seem to a threat. Otherwise, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be going after them. The, this woman, who we don't know her name yet, I don't think at this point, she then says Sydney's different. What he says comes true. People call him a miracle and that he can guess the past of the people he meets and even read hearts. Followers devote body and soul to him. And that's when Ashley says, it sounds like you're quite taken with him yourself as he turns away to walk away.
1: Yeah, it's basically he's saying, you've got the hearts for Sydney. You know, why don't you get, why don't you get a room? Exactly.
0: Um, And and in this way, she actually shouts at him. She says, Agent Riot. And I'm not sure if she's shouting him for the remark or... She just wants to give him a bit more information before he walks away into the darkness, really.
1: I don't think so. I think it's more that she's kind of a bit sick of him at that point. The Sydney guy, for all of what we don't know about him, seems very charismatic as well. And he seems to have, you know, people are drawn to him or to his power. And she, I don't know, is it because, you know, she's a female character or whether or not it's more of another level where it's the case that she can seem drawn to him drawn to the power that obviously this guy is because she says "Oh, there's I think she you know she makes reference to the fact that there's lots of prophets and there's lots yeah. of people but he's different he's a miracle he's he actually what he says or what he what he does actually comes through but uh, but, uh, but the Ashley guy seems to be very dismissive of anything you know th- there's information in there and she's kind of maybe warning him as well you know this guy will get inside your head yeah um, but he's just like oh you know you got the odds for him and then yeah. wa- walks off
0: well, he goes to walk off and he turns back to her and he says, if I don't return by Morrow's Eve, in inform HQ, won't you? And he turns away. He doesn't even look back. So she says, Godspeed. She then turns, walks up the stairs. And as she walks up the stairs, who's coming down the stairs? Sydney. Sydney. And he's got like, what we've not spoken about yet, which I really like, is the amount of expression you see on the characters' faces.
1: Yeah, he's got a grin, kind of like, yeah. I wonder if he overheard the conversation as well. Um, and heard what she had to say about him.
0: Right, um, yeah, I never, I never thought of it that way, but maybe she did, and he thought, like, oh, you
1: know. She seemed to make the case that, you know, he's a quite a powerful person. He's he's not just another crazy prophet. He's somebody that, you know, has, obviously, power. I also find it strange that the Ashley guy, you know, is kind of dismissive, given that he just saw him basically come back from the dead uh, shortly before that.
0: You don't know what what what's happened here. It just it just cuts, and it actually cuts to a screen with a bit of law. It's another report, and it says our men were murdered with swords, but the knights' wounds show they died by their own hands. Now, I mean, given the technology they have at the time, you know, it's not it's not going to produce a ballistics report, is it? You know, I mean, I know ballistics are for guns, but, yeah. you know, how, how have they proven that they've been caused by their own hands? And do they mean like they've stabbed themselves or they've attacked each other?
1: They brought in the CSI team.
0: Well, that's it. They've, they've brought the VKP CSI team in.
1: But I mean, obviously, that's not, a, that's not a throwaway comment. I think that's something that's important because, obviously, there may be a case here where you can actually control people to, to do what you want. or, or and, and they've effectively made it so that these people have killed themselves.
0: Yes, exactly. They've so gotten I, into their head and killed
1: them. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a very strong possibility. It continues at present. We have taken the bodies into our custody, and our specialists are conducting the examination. The camera moves into the next room, back to Ashley, and he sees wine. There's wine everywhere, and there's, there's barrels of wine, there's boxes of wine, and then suddenly there's an earthquake. The, the camera starts to shake, and he looks at the door, and it's Resident Evil style groans. Outly. You know, the, yes. with, with yeah. the music as well. So then, then we're given gameplay. So what's the first thing you do when you get control of, of Ashley at this point?
1: Uh, well, you go and open a check. Oh, well, no, you no. can go into first-person view, yeah.
0: Well, you can go into first-person That's what but, I did. But, but, and for me, I hit select because it was far too zoomed in. So you hit select. Well, actually, I'm, I'm using an Xbox 360 controller, um, the sacrilege. But anyway, you hit you hit effectively, you hit select, and it zooms out, and I much prefer that view. But, yeah.
1: He makes a comment though, did he, or am I remembering this wrong? He uh, he says a strange power indeed.
0: Yes, he does. He does that's exactly what he says. He says a strange power indeed after the earthquake, and then we start and we start in this room and this room is called the entrance to darkness. Mm-hmm. So that shows you what you're gonna do. So then you move out the you go to the next door, into the workers' break room, and in the workers break room we have two things. We have a chest that contains a leather glove, a buckler, and an axe called the Tovrich and to a Arsh. safe point. Tav- Tavar- Tavar-ish, Tavar-ish. Tavarish, Tavarish, so I equipped the leather glove and the buckler straight away, the buckler is, is very small, have you noticed it not, this is what I don't like about one thing I don't like about the, the art style of the game, the shields tend to be very small, Yeah, barely bigger than the hand, it's almost like he's holding a saucer that he could pose on.
1: I thought when it said buckler, first I was thinking is this, because uh, of the size, I was thinking is it a is it plater, an armour plater or something, but no it's a shield, and it's yeah it's tiny.
0: And then we hit the save point.
1: The save point is a blue glowing circle in the ground isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's a blue glowing circle on the ground, and it makes a sparkling sort of effect when you hit it. So that's it for this evening. We get to the save point, save our progress, and return to the real world. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We are on Facebook as Retrospective Replay if you want to join in on the conversation. You can also email us at retrospectivereplay at jmail.com with any comments, questions, or patch notes. Until next week, good night and Godspeed.